I don't know what it is about the pandemic. Everybody is riding bicycle now. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw your bicycle there. So yeah. a couple of guys were riding bike and they they invited me to come. I'm like, bro, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about that life <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. Hi, welcome to Life on Purpose, the podcast where we talk about living your full existence on purpose through six buckets of faith, fitness, family, focus, finance, and friends. I'm your host, Lana Bimero. Let's jump right into it. So in this episode, I talked to a good brother of mine, um, and uh, he is an engineer, he's a scientist, he's a philosopher uh, by every sense of it. But he talks about hand-me-down dreams and, and really narrates um, situationally his father's dreams for himself, that is, his father's dreams for self, and then how some of those dreams passed on to him as uh, a son. And then we connect that to possibly some of the dreams that he might have for his daughter and whether or not that is the right thing to do, whether or not we are channeling some of our missed opportunities and some of our desires for the next generation um, and whether or not that's right. So this is kind of in the uh, life category overall, obviously, uh, but also in the family category. All right. So today I have my brother, Tosin Okundari, PhD, um, on Life on Purpose. And um, Tosin is actually a true brother. And I, I, I may have said that with a couple of guys that I've, uh, they've interviewed, but um, Tosi and I, and I'll, I'll let Tosi do some introduction, but Tosi and I had the pleasure of, um, you know, living in Los Angeles for a couple of years. Actually, I think Tosi lived there a little bit longer, uh, but we went to the same church and we're blessed in that, in that church family environment. So, um, and, and, and the thing I'm just going to quickly share is we, we both got married not too long after each other. And we went through what um, was called post-marital counseling and I think it was very impactful so uh, for, for many years now we've, we've reconnected on so many things I've learned so much from Tosin um, he's, a, he's a good brother so uh, without further ado uh, was, it, was, it, was it successful what, what was that <laughs> post-marital counseling post-master it's, it's a work it's a work in progress you know that's one of the things we learned right we learned that you know, there, there are different stages, storming, forming, performing, all that stuff. So I think we're still in an ongoing basis. So with that, um, Tosin Ungadari, just a high level, one to two minutes. Uh, tell us about yourself. Well, I don't think there's anything more to me that you have not already covered. So thank you for doing a good job. That's cool. So you say that, but so here's the thing. Uh, you say that, but a few more cool things about you. Obviously, you're a PhD in, um, and it's, I, I feel like I should know what it is, but I know it's applied, help it's me here. Industrial engineering, so. Industrial also. engineering, right, right. But so I you have an- Applied physics, computational yes. physics and machine learning these days. So your brain is, is, is extra expanded because for some people that, that, that even think about physics at the high school level is like, wow. So. In essence, Tosin is pretty smart, and you work. Um, no, no, I don't agree. I, I just think that everybody has some sort of specialization. For me, I uh, I took uh, the uh, the WIAC exams a year early, and I had A one physics. It's just been my this been my deal. I had it's been your deal. Mathematics and physics. 
and I I was very ordinary in the remaining remainder of the subjects. So I, right. I I think you you find something that you're interested in, and then you just specialize. So I just found mine very early. That's awesome because part of what we'll be talking about today is your article, and I, I love how you already teed that up. So. Jumping right in, um, you know, your article that you posted um, on right. on Medium and the title is The Tyranny of Hand-Me-Down Dreams and the Tyranny, Tyranny, whoever, Tomato, Tomato of right. Hand-Me-Down Dreams. And, and I'm just going to jump right into a comment you just made, you know, about how, you know, you find what you're good at and, and how, you know, you had an A1 in physics and all that. Uh, you know, you find what you're good at. Would you say what you're doing today is really based off what you're good at or what you are encouraged to do. Very good. So uh, speaking directly to my actual medium uh, that you referenced, the tyranny of hand me down dreams. This is supposed to talk about, uh, I would say that the typical Nigerian experience where you're born, your parents identify what you should be, who you should be, you know, what you should do and how your life should technically play out for the most part, at least during their own lifetime. And then, yeah, you have this ideal that you are chasing, right? And this is most times, for most people, in incompatible with, you know, the real definition of yourself. Now, it's not a secret that we discover ourselves as we get older and the older we get, the more, the more we know about ourselves. But for really, you don't have a choice, right? In, in whether or not you want to do some self-discovery before you choose the career you walk down on or the, or the path that you ultimately choose. It's just your friends just tell you, it's late for you through aphorisms, through, you know, ultimately, well, you have to do this, you want me to pay your school fees for some people, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I, I would say that in my case, it's it's more convoluted. It's a little bit different, right? I have very intelligent siblings, and they were pretty, you know. I thought my brother always wanted to be a doctor. Incidentally, my parents wanted him to be a doctor, right? Mm. Incidentally, they wanted me to be a doctor as well, right? But I wasn't interested in being a doctor. I wanted to be an medical medical doctor, right. although you are a doctor. Well, yeah, but um, I feel like. For, I was, uh, when I was graduating primary school, I was the overall best student. And I was telling someone yesterday that my, my dad never showed up. Mm. And he, he, I actually had my bags packed in Lagos to go and live with my mom. So I, I went to my graduation with my bags packed. And the, the owner of the school at the time was commenting how his dad is not even here. And he's the, he's the best student that we have this year. And my mom, who had not been living with us because my parents had been separated uh, for some time at the time, right? Uh, was she was surprised because she didn't know I was any good, right? She was, oh, great. Oh, my son, kid, great. This is now a fantastic experience for me. And then we, we moved from there. We moved to the car, car garage in Ojota and I go straight to Adoiki, I go to Boarding House. And then I went to Aquinas College and I'm on this path of eventually becoming an engineer, right? Yeah. So I matriculate, uh, my dad doesn't show up because he's not interested, you know, because don't forget, he was, he was born in the uh, early 40s and, you know, and he, he was not very tall, right? So, which means he's not been very useful in the farm. 
Mm. So he's, he's, in my article, I talked about how he's a prime candidate for the experiment that was going on at the time, the experiment where parents actually allow their kids to go to school. So let me, let me touch on that. Let me touch on that. And I think that's, that's important for those that are listening to understand. And I'll put the link of the article. But what you're referencing is the time span and the, the assessment in which folks decided what children should do. In essence, right. you know, it's almost like a... Colonial Nigeria. It, exactly. So the timeline is colonial Nigeria, mid-40s, early 50s. But the interesting connection to where this discussion started was you as well appear to have received some relative hand-me-down dreams of your expectations. Likewise, 60, 70 plus years back, your father was given the expectations of what he could do based on a few things, i.e. height, i.e. ability to reach over his head, to touch his okay. other ear. Right. It's interesting that regardless of the timeline, it's like there are parental uh, expectations of what parents or children right. should do. So, and, and what actually makes it a little bit more complicated or even worse is, is achievement in spite of the era that he lived in is what actually complicates my life, I would say, right? So, and people have kind of said, well, you know, it turned out well for you in the end. Look at the life you're living right now. If he hadn't said anything, well, how do you know I wouldn't be as popular as Fela? Huh? Mm -hmm. if, if he hadn't set me on that path, I could have been maybe famous doing something else, something that I really enjoy. So, you know, during these day, he was a prime candidate to go to school and his parents, quite frankly, allowed him to go because how useful could it be on the farm, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but we're talking, Nigeria never became Nigeria until 1914. So we're talking 30 years post Nigeria actually becoming a country, having some form of national identity, right? All of this provided by the British, right? And at that time we only had one university, I think, in the entire Southwest, and that's the University of Ibadan. And I'm not even sure that Ife had been established at the time because Awolo was very instrumental in having Ife established, and I think that came in the 50s or 60s or whatnot. So right. we're, we're talking about the definition of what education was, was you go to the modern school and then you go to a teacher's training college and you are educated, right? That's the end. There is no more expectation for you. So the people who had the benefit of actually being able to follow their education, they were mostly in the military, right? Because the military was a British outfit in Nigeria at the time. And that's why you saw a dominance or a preponderance of leaders coming from the military outfit as in, in the very early years of Nigeria, right? Yeah. So they were the most educated people. Ojuku was very educated, he was 32 years old. He felt that leadership was his right, right? That led to Biafra and everything that followed after. And the same thing for Gowan and the other people who were not uh, military men who were educated actually went to school in London, right? Above me, Awolowo, who was the minister for finance at the time, and uh, Unam Diazuku, who was, uh, I think, the first uh, uh, president of Nigeria. Uh, so my dad had, uh, had these people as role models. That's, those are the people he was looking uh, He was looking at them and he wanted to be like them. He wanted to be involved in the conversation, right? Because the conversation at the time only admitted people who had had some sort of education abroad. So. He was also working for, you know, the, the board joining oil services industry in Nigeria with the took off post, uh, post uh, independence in 1960, right? They found, they found oil in the 50s, but it didn't really, you know, the commercialization operations was not uh, really uh, ongoing at 
a decent pace until the sixties, right? Right. So it was working in Port Harcourt, and and he said, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to do more. I want to participate in all of that." He applied, got admitted to a university in uh, in in the in Britain in Wales, mm-hmm. and they asked him about his finances, as as they usually ask all of us, right? And he lied on the application. Right. He didn't want them to know that his parents were typically farmers and they didn't really have any means to support him. And that, you know, all of his money is exactly what he has saved just the past few years. So, but of course, they, they found out that he was lying on his application and they didn't give him a visa. So he had to wait two, three years to actually get a visa. In fact, when he finally got his visa to go abroad, he was, he was shocked. He was in Lagos for vacation. He was visiting his friends and he just stopped by and the embassy and said, okay, well, listen, I lied on my application the last time, but you should still allow me to go, right? Kind of like a, right. a non-desperate plea. And the, the, uh, the counselor asked him to write to the school, confirm that his admission is still valid, that if it was still valid, he would actually, he should come back and get a visa, which he did. Admission was valid. He goes and becomes. The you know, I, I I need to I need to add something as you're speaking through this. The timeline again for context is we're talking about when there were minimal um, telecommunication right. services. You had to write, sit back, wait, return, response. Hopefully your address is right. I mean, you're talking several months in some yeah. cases. Yeah if not a full year of school cycle passed right. to where you're not even certain where you're going. So that that dream to pursue his academics career or his academics in Obudoimbu, in, in essence, in the United Kingdom right, right. or foreign land um, continued and was he was persistent and persevered through that. That I could see, Tosin, if you, if you, if you, don't, if, if you don't mind me saying, that I could see as a potential to why you know, he may have handed you down some dreams knowing right. that he had to persevere I agree. to get to where he is. And he had, to, he had to work for 10 years or even more than that to even be able to try to do this, right? He, he, he went to the UK in the 70s, right? But he got out of modern school in the 50s. And, you know, so he's been, he's been working uh, late 50s, the entire, all the 60s to, to, save, to save money to be able to afford this opportunity. Right. So I, I can see that. I understand it. So as far as he's concerned, immediately came back from the UK in, you know, he, he just felt like his kids have to now do something much more than him, considering he's given us this platform that he never had. Right. So now that constitutes a lot of pressure. So like, where do I even begin my life? You know, like at what point do I think I have done something that is worth what he has done? Right. So he never came for my matriculation to the university. He never came for my graduation. He, he didn't even talk to me about it. So, because as far as he's concerned, I've not done anything because now at the time that I graduated, everyone was expected to go to school. So that's just the normal. That's know, the bare minimum. You, exactly. you, you know, you know, you know, where, right. We're, we're in America now. And right, you know, right, right. it's always interesting to hear people say they graduated. I'm like, okay, let's, let's put some context to that. High school is not graduation mm-hmm. for many of us that came from foreign land. I mean, right. we don't, you don't even go to a high school graduation. I mean, I think it's more recent that that's becoming a thing. So I, I connect to that thinking for him. It's like, okay, well, that the expectation is that you go get a bachelor's degree at the minimum. So, ooh, Ray, right. you got one. Now what? Go ahead. Now what, man? So, you know, uh, he doesn't show up for that graduation as well. 
And um, so I, eventually I, I just, uh, I, there was this thing that used to happen to me just before I moved here to the U.S. Is I would be in my mom, mother's house uh, in, in Akure in those state and, and someone would walk in and ask for my brother. It's like, where is the doctor? And like, oh yeah, it's not here or he's inside or, you know, some response based on where he actually is. And they would forget to greet me. They would forget to say hi. And then I just, I, I just, I, I, I knew I couldn't continue to just be a nobody because no one actually acknowledged that I've actually done anything with my life, even though I had a degree at the time and I was doing some work. I wasn't making a lot of money, but you know, I felt like I was a reasonable member of society. So the uh, where is the doctor and don't say hi to Tosin wasn't something that I, I was going to abide in the long term. So uh, someone had mentioned to me that, hey, dude, you should you should do GRE, right? And so I tried to came here, did masters, and uh, everybody started reaching out to me on Facebook. So somehow I, I went from from zero to hero, you know, by just doing another degree that I think is not even as important as the one that I did before. And, and a change in geography, right? So you, we all know how people uh, look at you, you know, how, what, how, how things change when you actually come over here. And you're now in the US, people think you've now, you've succeeded just by- Yeah, but, but I love that. I love that. Right? I love that you share that because it's, it's also a, a mind perception. Let's take it back to your dad, you know, seeing the Ojukus, well, maybe not Ojuku, but seeing the, um, you know, Aolo was the, the them type, that timeline and looking up to them because they went foreign and came back. So even back then, there was that perception of foreign education is better education. Right. You know, I, I think I think it's debatable. There's debatable at a certain level. If we're being honest, folks that, you know, many of us that went to high school in Nigeria and other parts of Africa, we come here and, you know, it's I'm surprised to see that a 90 is an A1, you know, you know, the numbers, right, right, it's right, like, right. so, so education, you know, foreign education being better is debatable depending on what you're looking for. But it's interesting that even back then, that's what it was. And now you're saying that, you know, because you got accepted uh, and you got your GRE and everything that they were now even 30, 40 years past your dad's timeline, looking at you like your dad looked yeah. at others. But the interesting thing is my dad never acknowledged me whatsoever. And I missed only one question in my GRE. So oh. my, the quant, I only missed one question. So I, leading up to it, I took a test and I had a perfect score, but in the actual test, I missed the question. Hmm. So, I, and people thought that that was, you know, impressive, but he never asked me about it even. So he wasn't interested. And I think I told him anyways, because I wanted him to know I was, I did well on the test. And he didn't say, well, congratulations or anything. It was like, okay. <laughs> what is this so and the first time he congratulated me was when i actually got a visa when i got the visa i said congratulations and he gave me 500 dollars. so that's the extent of his contribution mm. i actually had to get the, the money i used to buy my ticket I, I got from my brother and i and i was i walked until the day i left nigeria and i got i went to the airport on on a bike right mm. because I, I was walking to six o'clock the flight was later that evening uh, Mr. Motosho, who was my boss, paid me uh, $600, which was what he owed me at like 6 or 6.30 that evening. So I signed a contract for, that I would never develop software for, you know, what I was working on for him for seven years and he gave me the money. Mm. And uh, he was supposed to give me 1500 bucks later, which he never paid me, but, you know, he, he had helped me so much. He shouldn't right. have paid me a dime. 
And I, I got on the, what we call Okada, which is like a motorbike. A motorbike, right? So, so the guy driving the bike, I got on, I got in behind him and a friend of mine got in behind me. So there's three people on a motor, on a bike with your suitcase going to Oklahoma. Not suitcase. I had a backpack. I came all the way to the U.S. with a backpack. I had, uh, I had five shirts and a pair of jeans. That's all I brought to this country. Uh, I didn't have much anyway. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, I left my things back home. No, it was just, this is something I had to do. And there was this, I I know what the expectation was, right? The year before my dad had suffered a stroke. And I know that my mom has been retired before I even got out of college in Nigeria. So I know it's now and ever. I have to position myself for, for my for my family and, and just what I know what's expected anyway. So I graduate with my master's. Right. And I'm not sure if my dad congratulated me, but if he did, it was so trivial that I don't even So remember. so I want to come in here and connect this back for those listening. It's you're, you're setting the stage on the whole concept of a hand-me-down dream right. and whether or not there is this acknowledgement because it sounds like he did not attend your... No. Uh, your, he did not acknowledge your, your ASIN of being the best student in your primary school and all that and, and secondary school, neither, and university bachelor's, neither. Yes, you got $500 to go because you got a visa because right. he connected to that. But mm-hmm. even your master's degree that you were hoping would be the you know, the hats off, not acknowledgement okay. from dad, nothing comes from that. Yes. Wow. I was particularly looking forward to that because now I have at least done what he did. Right. A foreign degree. education. Right. So beyond that is it's a master's and he had a bachelor's. Right. Right. And beyond that is it was, it's from a, from the US, not, not the UK, not, not that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sleepy as here, but you know. No we, worries. Yeah. We all know it's different. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, but, but not to him. He just told me right away that when are you going to do your PhD? That's what he told me. That was the response. When are you going to get your PhD? So like you just, you just right. grinded. You came to America with five mm-hmm. shirts and a pair of jeans on a backpack. And you grinded, you got a master's degree from right. Oklahoma State University, hardest working man, all of that. And your dad said, when are you getting your PhD? Isn't and that's something. So I, well, I, I actually, I applied, I got admission to uh, university in Boston to, mm-hmm. for my PhD, which I didn't do because I, I, I knew right away that I needed to make some money because I was broke, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking, this is 2008, 2009, when the economy was bad, right? So I ended up moving to Phoenix and then San Francisco started, you know, writing software like a madman all over the place. So I got into enterprise software development and then make a ton of money there. <laughs> then, uh, you know, but it was hounding me, man. It's crazy that my, my dad hounded me more for the PhD than to have a kid, which was since considering he had no, he had no grandkids at the time. It was mm-hmm. something that he really wanted, but mm-hmm. the PhD was by far what he wanted me to do. Right. So, so that, it sounds like, was the hand-me-down dream. It right. was his expectation that his children will surpass what he has achieved. Right. And is that a bad thing, Tosin? Is it bad to have yeah. those dreams for your children? Well, I, I, I don't know, but the story, it doesn't end there. Mm-hmm. I, I would just, I would just, I'll cut to the end and so that I would give you some perspective. So when I, um, when I, but I was appointed uh, an assistant professor at a uh, liberal arts college in the East Coast. Right. That was the first time. I remember it so vividly because I was talking to him on the phone and he was moved to tears. And he said, hmm. he said now you've done it. Wow. And, uh, I, I came close to crying on the phone. 
Wow. He said, now you've done it. He says, wow. It's not easy for you to be a professor in the US and, and now you've done something for which I am, I'm actually proud of you. And, you know, he, he went on and on and, and talked and I... I could tell that even you thinking yeah, about it right now, it's I, a moment I, for you. It's, it's, I, it was a moment. I felt like first, it, it was the, the cost, the price that I had to pay and I had to go out of my way. Spend, I spent a lot of my life and time chasing down this dream because it's been yeah. I, uh, uh, very inconvenient and, right. and needed because my first responsibility is to take care of my family and I spent 10 years right, doing that for them until my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And I had to make time in, in the midst of the struggle, right? I've lost two of my sisters, you know, you, you know that I, I, right. I lost the kid myself in the midst, midst of all of this. Right. So, but I had to take time and focus on the PhD and, and, and get this done. I spent five years of my life chasing this down. And after that, you know, you know how difficult it is to get a tenor track position and chase that down as well. Right, right, and, right. Uh, just, just so I can get some kind of approval and in the end, I realized that I, I don't, I'm not sure I want to be in academia or I want to be a professor, you know, like this is just me hammered into my head wow. and I don't know who I am anymore. So, you know, like I feel better now that I'm out of academia than, I, than when I was there. So maybe mm-hmm. I go back, but if I go back, I'm going back for myself. On right? your own terms, on your own on terms. On my own terms. I want to do what I, I feel like I should do. In fact, I don't even like software. No one is going to believe this because, you know, like, you do you you could do it in your sleep like you're yeah. literally synonymous with software have conversations with people who are writing code anymore because i believe that you know most of these guys out there are morons and we should not talk we're not talking about the same thing when we're talking about writing code right so but in i don't i wouldn't do it for a living if i had a choice so so let right. me let me bring us to this let me bring us to this right you know you shared that and i love how you kind of just stair-stepped the timelines of of, of elementary, high school, college, all through bachelor's, master's, no acknowledgement, PhD, some relative acknowledgement, but it was the tenure track. It, it was what? you becoming an assistant professor that, I, that basically was the first time your dad yes. acknowledged you. Now you have a five-year-old daughter. Um, she's amazing. Um, and um, the question to you is with that, you know, who you are today is heavily dependent on what happened to you and this path. And, you know, to say you're not successful would be, uh, I would say it's a wrong thing. Now, the question is success defined by what measure? Yes, absolutely. But, but you're at a place where you can provide for your family, you're actually a great resource for a lot of people, you're a blessing, your story is inspirational. I mean, you, you shared a couple personal things, if folks were really truly listening, your losses and all that. Um, but so you can't, I almost feel like one cannot say you were not better for some of that, but directly to you, Tosin, do you feel like you were better for that push from your father with this dream? I honestly, I'm not sure. You, you know, I, I do a lot of things. I play eight instruments. I, you know, I, I am a philosopher in training. I read like a madman. So um, what would I have done? Maybe I would have gone to law. Like school. you said, maybe you would have been fella. <laughs> yeah, but I, right? I think I would have actually gone to law school. I would have preferred to go to law school. You know, well, I, it's, I think it's never it's never too late. As much as I, you I, need, I, it's too much. I, I I'm not doing any more school. I think but, I think I just put a bug in your ear. Think about it. It's never right, too right late. now. Now, uh, but you know, I, I would have loved the privilege to 
decide for myself what I, I wanted to be a lawyer, but it wasn't on the table for me because, you know, as, as far as you're concerned, it, there's no way I could, I, maybe I could come here and become a successful lawyer. But if you look right. at the time that I came here, right, the fact that the economy was down, the fastest way to get a company to sponsor, you get a green card if you are in, in software, right? Yeah. So, like I scaled the USAS process like it was nothing. I got a green yeah. card test, right? Because right. hell, my company begged me to file H1 for me at the time because right. I had a lot of options. I was really good, right? So and so so with that, I, I got my that. green card within two years. I moved to LA with two years. I, I had a green card. Right. So with that, connecting that now to you know your beautiful daughter, right. you know I, I certain I know for a fact that you want the best in life for her. Right. Do you feel like that mindset of wanting the best for her is actually going to move you in a direction where you either follow your dad's path, where you set high expectations, or do you feel like because of what you've gone through, you're going to just be like, you know what, whatever you want to do? You know, I'm going to answer you with in, in the immortal words of, uh, of uh, Martin Egel, who in his phenomenology of spirit, right? Just at the conclusion of the preface, he says, we should expect, society should expect of a man, right? Very little so that he can expect less of himself and do all that he can. Mm. That's the goal. The goal is she can expect less of herself because of what I have done, but she should also do all she can, right? So now these expectations, these impossible expectations that we put on ourselves, it doesn't necessarily do anything. I would argue that it keeps us from getting to our best self mm. right? because the anxiety and the worry that it generates actually blocks inspiration and holds, and holds most people back. I've spent many hours just worrying about this problem or that problem or, man, I have to work on this patent and, and that patent, that the anxiety itself actually keeps me from being my, my best self, my brilliant self, if you will. Mm. So mm. I, I, I don't think that setting high expectations is the way to go. I think preparation is the way to go. I need to make sure Serafina, my daughter, is prepared for the future, right? Mm -hmm. How do I do that? Well, every day she comes home, she writes A to Z in, in, in uppercase and lowercase. She does addition and subtraction. So mm -hmm. she's, she's prepared, right? She understands the, fundament, the fund, foundation and the fundamentals of life. And she's, she's learning how to read, right? So that's, that would give her access to a lot of knowledge and information if she can read early. So she's going to also do calculus in two years, right? So I'm not trying to pressure her, but I'm trying to give her what she's Okay, so, 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 so see, there we go. Now, when you say she's going to do calculus in two years, you're saying right. a seven-year-old is right. going to be doing calculus. Right. What is the rationale behind because that? Because it's easy, because it's me, because and it's, in a, it's, in a, it's in my blood. Okay. Like I told you, man, I, I, had, I had distinctions in mathematics and physics, so. I love that, I love that. Yeah, I want, right. And I want, I want to connect that to something that, you know, you know, might be, um, I don't want to say might be obvious, but in listening to the story, it sounds as though your father also had it within him to go foreign and be educated and had those things that he felt like he could right. be. Uh, a and then, and then, and then he, you know, somewhat passed some of those expectations to you. Um, and here you are, you've done it, you, you've delivered and you, you I mean, everything right. within you shows that you have. Do you think calculus for a seven-year-old isn't, it's not, it's not too much, is it? No, it's not too much. So because okay. it's preparation, I, I want it to be, you know, you, you also have to factor the context, right? Well, the kind of country that we live in and the, 
what people typically expect from a black elk, right? It's very mm -hmm. little. No one expects a lot from a black elk. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, I don't want her to fall prey to that. I want her to be uh, distinguished. I want her to know she can do anything she wants, right? Yep. It's the message I'm trying to send to her, really. So, and don't forget, I'm the one teaching the calculus. I'm not going to impose some random teacher to come and, you know, I, I know exactly how I'm going to teach her to do calculus in two years. But now, I don't give my, my daughter, like, all kinds of assignment or work to do, right? She does the same thing every day. I only increase it incrementally after she's done the same thing for two months. And, and she's achieved some sort of mastery that it's really easy. And then I would increase it a little bit. She's also playing the piano, right? So, but she's been playing the same thing for the last four months, just the same thing. She's essentially running the scale. <laughs> you sound you sound like you're upset about that. <laughs> no, I'm not upset about it. I'm just saying that I, I my point is not to turn her into a piano maestro. Maybe she doesn't even play piano, right? But I want her to have the advantage of understanding how all of this work and that she can do anything she applies it. In fact, the irony of this is I don't think Serafina is gonna be a scientist. I think she's going to be in the arts. I think she's probably gonna be, she's gonna probably go to college and become, go to Hollywood and be uh, in, on a show, on a TV show. And does, it, does it matter to you what it she does? It doesn't matter to me, honestly. I hope she's a fashionista, right? Something removed from my life. I hope that's what she does. But if she wants to be a scientist, that's fine. So here's, here's, here's what I had said earlier. I was asking if, your, if you feel like your history is a factor to how you might perceive or expect of her. And I, and I said that, do you think that it will push you to say she ought to do kind of in your direction or does she need to go in opposite direction? And, and, right. yeah. I, I, and, I, so, and so when you speak right. of science versus arts, you present it as though, you know, obviously you're the scientist right. and then you're, you're almost saying, you know, I hope she would be the opposite of that. Speak I hope that. she doesn't feel pressured that she has to one up me. Right. I don't want to like spending long years in grad school because, you know, she, she wants to do something for me or uh, what is it that I didn't do? Like, OK, maybe she wants to get a paper into nature or science and do something terrific which would be fantastic. If she wants to be a Nobel Prize winner in physics, that would be great. I would be a proud dad walking around and bragging on her everywhere. But she doesn't have to do that. I don't expect that. I hope she enjoys what she does. If she so I love that. College, I love that. If she does college, it will sit fine with me. We're going to have a conversation about identity, right? And mm. if she says that she doesn't want to go to school, I would, not be any, I would not be any less proud of her than if she had won the Nobel in physics. Mm, right. Mm. I absolutely, Serafina, as far as I'm concerned, is the best. She's the best in the world. She's the mm. best. She's the best human being walking on two legs right now. She, she, there you I, go. I would never be unimpressed with her because I, I have loved her since since she was born. She's she started talking since before she was two. So I've been having conversations with her for the last three three and a half years, and, and hopefully I keep having conversations with her. That's what I enjoy. Is the things that we talk about. So, right? so I, I, I love, and I could tell that you're a true girl dad and, and, and how you're, you're, you're articulating your thoughts about her. And that's awesome. Um, but I want to bring us back to this and, I, and I'm going to ask it a different way. Do you think that if Sarafina chooses not to go to school, and I want to clarify that school, if she chooses to stop at the ninth grade, what is your perception of that? Oh, uh, yeah. Suppose she's, she becomes a, a tennis pro, a start, right? 
right? in high school and you know like she's 14, well ninth, ninth grade is like pretty much right there it's the first year of, of right, high right, school right. 14 15 right right so and and she's already she's like like one of these are uh, pro tennis players right now that, that beat Venus a few years right, ago. Right. If she was a phenom like that and she says, well, I'm not that I don't have any reason to complete high school or I, I want to do it later, I would absolutely support that for sure. So in other words, the answer to that is dependent on the successes exactly. which she's achieved at that right. point. Okay. So if, as a 14, 15 year old, she's a minor, she's under my guidance. If she says, I don't want to go to school anymore, I have to ask her why. I wouldn't yeah. just say, well, that's fine. I come and stay at home. Right. But if she's doing something else that is, you know, worthy, you know, I, I would say absolutely go for it. I don't even, it, it can be swimming, it yeah. could be playing soccer, it could be anything. I would be fine with it. Right. So, so just connecting it and kind of doing the tail end of this conversation, right. you know, your article is amazing. And I've shared this with you. I love how you, you, you weave the story of your personal growth, your timeline, your, your parents into this in some level of the story of Nigeria uh, and so those listening that have a you know an aff uh, affinity affection for um, Nigeria should certainly check it out I'll put it in a link uh, but one last question that kind of comes from it um, is you know I could tell like I said your your gravity towards Nigeria your movement your, your feeling about Nigeria would you move back to Nigeria? Oh, absolutely. I, I intend to go back home. I have already uh, I've, I've the, I've set up the machinery that will eventually lead to me uh, farming for the rest of my uh, days. Whatever is left of it, man, you know, I'm going to be a farmer. That's how this is going to end. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. Farming, huh? So going from a, a software guru doing applied physics patents all over the place with Halliburton, professor in the East Coast, all of that to farming. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I, I say that for context, um, not because one is superior over the other, but it appears as though they are um, not superior, but opposing directions. Right. So uh, and I'm not trying to make a big statement. I just I've always loved this very simple life. And I, 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 I like to wake up in the morning uh, with some form of no, no worry about what I'm going to you know, encounter today, which is not the case in the US. Uh, when I walk out my doors you know, and, and someone looks at me, I'm not sure what they're thinking, what are they, whether they feel unsafe because they see me or they think, oh, who is this guy? And sometimes when someone treats me poorly, I don't know why. So there's just a lot of, I don't know if it's because they don't like me, which is fine, or because hell, what a, why does it look like this? You know, like there's just a lot of factors that are living here for a long time. And, and I haven't seen a lot of things that, you know, that happened today before. Some of it is actually self-inflicted. I mean, you know, you know, we have to also improve ourselves collectively as a community, right? And make sure that our, our arguments are, and are well, well presented and our and you're talking about the you're talking about the black community, right? Right, and, and our behavior also matches some of the things that we're asking for, right? So there, there's a, a role we have to play, but just I'm just talking about dignity, right? You know, right. Of, like you said, I've done all of these things, and you know, sometimes I, I, I will go to the gym and someone will approach me and give me a, a coupon. You know, I have a Mercedes parked outside. You know, like 
Oh, right. oh, a Porsche somewhere. Oh, a Porsche. <laughs> tell him, tell him so, you got a Porsche, man. Don't, don't be humble no, no, now. I'm that, and so they approach me to keep him because they feel like, oh yeah, you know, he looks like a young black guy and he, he's he's gonna need this coupon. Someone did that to me one time and I was confused. I wasn't sure what was going on. <laughs> so I, you know, or I was talking about my research, some, you know, to one of some of my friends and and she's from Argentina and and I really I really love her. She's a, she's great. And she said, oh, well, you don't look like you're doing, you know, like doctoral research. This is when I was in, you know, still working on my PhD. Right. And I was shocked that she said, she said that. And, you know, just things like that. You know, I, when I go to, to the grocery store, I, I actually dress up like I'm going to church because I, I want some, <laughs> some kind of, right. Yeah. I, I don't want someone thinking, oh, yeah, you know, you just, you just came from, you know, uh, it just came, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what right. you're saying. And so I guess that explains your your thinking of, you know. I don't want to do that. Going to, yeah, go, going to right. a, a, a more um, like uh, environment where yeah. you grew up going to farming in Nigeria and all that, where you've got hectares and your neighbor is several hundred miles away. Uh, or even if you want to neighbors, there are people like you. Um, right. I could see that. Here's here's one last question, and then um, we'll, we'll wrap up because I know it's evening. I want to want to make sure you're able to get back to your beautiful daughter and wife. Um, one last question: If you had the opportunity to go to anywhere in the world for vacation, if you've been there before, that's fine. But what is your perfect vacation spot? Uh, I don't know. Considering I've been working every day the last fourteen years, so. I know, right? I'm like this guy. You're never taking a vacation, but if you were to go somewhere, where would it be? I don't know. Hmm. So that that's the takeaway for you. You have Maybe to start I go to Barcelona, thinking, huh? Just because I've Barcelona. Been okay. Yeah. You know, I I would say I I have heard a lot about Barcelona, or I hop on the plane and go to Germany. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, cool. 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 Wherever Sarafina wants to go, how about that? Wherever Sarafina wants, oh, girl, dad, aren't you just awesome? That's awesome. Well, good, good, good.